Cattle Catch Contracts. Welcome back to another episode of Couch Contra. We're on episode three now. Yeah. You feeling more comfortable? I think so. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, we must be more comfortable because we keep doing this. Yes. <laughs> we um, keep coming back. Yes. 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 Yeah. So how was your Christmas? It was good. I'm tired today. Yeah. got back last night. I have to street park, and so I had to park a block and a half away and lug all of my stuff and individually, oh. but... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a lot, but it was fun. It was a good Christmas. How was yours? Good. It was good. Same. My expectations were reality, so that's good. No surprises. Yeah. Uh, nothing really to report about. Kids had fun. They got their gifts. They got iPads this year. <laughs> they had a, they had an old iPad, and it was time to go. So Santa brought him new iPads. And the unintended consequence of like family grouping iPads mm-hmm. is my oldest, who is eight can text my wife and so now he is upstairs in his room like when is dinner when are we going to this thing instead of going down and talking to her oh my goodness so we have like reframed this into at least he is like learning how to spell and write now in like a way that makes sense rather than doing normal school like spelling tests and vocabulary right so it's actually kind of helpful but i'm a little worried about how this will go. Entering his teenage phase at eight. Oh my goodness. That the use of technology at that young of an age is still mind blowing to me. But yeah. When did you get like the internet? How old were you? Got the internet, but I was not allowed to utilize the internet unless it was like a kid's website and it was a family computer in a living room that someone could always watch me play, right? Yeah. I was maybe, I don't know, like middle school, like 10, 11, but I was not allowed to have social media until eighth grade. And then I did not get my first phone until going into high school. So. Fun. So. I don't want to know. I'm scared to know. (laughs) (laughs) We got the internet when I was in middle school, probably. Okay. And. Was that dial up? Yeah, with the dial-up sound or whatever. And it was America Online. Like, we didn't even shorthand it AOL yet. Yeah. And then there was Instant Messenger on there, which was amazing. It's not amazing now, obviously. But it was cool. It was the first time that you could talk to your friends, not on a phone that was, like, hooked to the wall. Right. And you didn't have to talk to their parents first, that kind of thing. And you could talk to multiple people at once. And it made awesome like door opening and door closing noises, like uh, clip art noises when people got (laughs) online and got off. It was awesome. Yeah. And Facebook happened when I was in college and you could only get on Facebook with a a school email. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's how old I was. Yeah. So my AOL was Facebook Messenger. So we're posting on Facebook. So I'll get stuff from you posted this 15 years ago when I was in middle school. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just need to delete my Facebook account. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So luckily, I did not have any kid social media. Yeah. I think the first thing I had was Twitter like 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. That's impressive. Yep. Yeah. Mine not so much. Yeah. So. Era's differences. Yes. Yeah. And now my kids are, they've never been without it. It's not weird. And I think this generation, because I have a little cousin, it's Gen A. Yeah. So you just sounded like Forrest Gump. 
Oh, did I really? Jenna. <laughs> oh, I did sound like I said Jenna. <laughs> That's hilarious. After Christmas, Moon Man. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, they're the first generation to never have not had technology, which is nuts. So. Yes. My kids are weirded out by commercials. Like that is their. That's wild. That's so wild to me. Yeah. So overall, good Christmas. Good Christmas. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. How's it feel to get back? (sighs) A little disappointed. I was a little sad. One of my sisters went back to Lexington. One of them's in Louisville and I'm here. So just saying goodbye to everyone kind of is always a bummer, but glad to be back in my own space, in my own home, Um, ready to clean, take down Christmas stuff and setting goals for the new year is kind of my next step. So yeah. 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 Are you a resolution person? Somewhat. I, I'm not like, I'm going to do a 180. I'm a, I just set goals for the year. So I want to read so many books. One of my biggest goals is I want to start getting better with cooking. Mm. It is not a skill I am very good at. So I got a um, cookbook that is like cooking for one. Because cooking when living alone is hard, right? Yeah. I might make way too much stuff or my portions might be too big. So it tells me like what things I should always keep in my pantry, easy recipes and that kind of thing. So that's my biggest goal is to just get more skilled in cooking and doing it and using that book and kind of like growing my interest in it. But no, not resolution wise, like I'm not going to say I'm going to go to the gym every day because I'm not that kind of person. I'm not (laughs) doing that. I'm not setting myself up for failure. I'm just kind of going to look at what can I accomplish and um, the next year and what did I accomplish in 2023. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I am not a big resolutions person. I have tried that many years and I think it, it has like the wrong motivation, right? You know, it's, it's aspirational, but it's not Mm -hmm. tied to anything. This Mm -hmm. is why people fade out. I was saying earlier, I bought a pull-up bar for the office mm-hmm. and some other kind of body weight things to use here because I hate going to the gym in January. I yes. hate it. Everybody signs up for, for going to the gym and it is crowded. And I, I'm happy people are doing it. Like I feel like physical activity is good. I also hate that it is just way overcrowded and not a nice place to be. Yeah. Right. Gym is kind of like an outlet for me. I go in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what happens when you, the joys of being in private practice. Yes. Make, making your own schedule. Like yes. That, yeah. Yeah. So I go in the middle of the day. There's nobody there. It's, it's old people and, uh, lovingly who I call juice heads, like <laughs> people who live at the gym. Right. Um, I don't know if they're on juice or not, but, uh, they certainly look that way. And so it's fun. It's fun to watch mm-hmm. people watch and be at the gym and not have people all around mm-hmm. you while you're working out. And so, yeah, resolutions. Yeah. Not for me. No. And I think with like goal setting, I do it a little differently where, you know, and I do it every three months. I look at, I make a huge document of different goals. And then in three months from now, if I kind of want to tweak them, I can. Yeah. And I kind of do it like that. So I do this amount of, I want to read this amount of books by March, right? And I don't set myself up for failure. Like I do like four. So then I know that when I do reset goal, I'm like, yeah, I did it, right? Um, I'm not setting myself up and saying I need to read 20 or something crazy. And I think that's what people go wrong with resolutions, right? Like I need to lose 20 pounds. And it's like, okay, why are we going in? And it like that is instead of like, oh, I just want to like 
have a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Yes. Um, But totally. Yeah. Are there good parts about resolutions? I think it's the intent of maybe wanting to break old habits. Yeah. And identifying that habits might be harmful. Sure. I think that could be the positive aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it is a catalyst for change. Yes, totally. Yeah, and whether that change sticks or not is probably dependent on again motivations and yes. and all of those things. But I do I do like the idea that it is a catalyst for change. Yeah. I, I just I, for me personally, I feel like I have hacked that with more weekly things. Mm-hmm. Like probably I am the healthiest version of myself on Mondays. Because of this idea, like we restart on Monday, it feels like a fresh start to me. Right. And so I can like get back on track. I do this more like weekly rather than yearly. Yeah. Um, so January 1st is no different than any Monday. Every Monday for yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think it's, I think for resolutions, when we do them yearly and check in with ourselves yearly, I feel like that becomes a problem, right? You need to be doing it weekly or monthly or every 90 days, right? At yeah. the most three months, we need to be checking in with ourselves. Like if we set a goal and then we're like, okay, in a year, I'm going to reevaluate. Well, of course you're going to fail and give up on it because once you decided that you weren't going to reach that goal, then you decided to no longer even like work towards it. Yeah. 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 It's, really funny that this just brought up when I used to work with parents talking about reward systems Mm -hmm. and they're like reward systems don't work for my kid. Like they have to achieve, I don't know, 10 points in the week and then in the weekend, then they can get their prize or whatever. I'm like, they're not kids. Brains don't work like that. Yes. If you do something on Monday, they're not going to wait till Saturday to get a reward. Yes. Right. You need to do it daily. Yeah. Or sometimes like morning and afternoon. Mm -hmm. So reward systems, just as a weird aside, fail for two different reasons. One is the reward doesn't come fast enough. And the other is the reward is not rewarding. Like the parent thinks that it's a big reward and the kid's like, I don't care. Yes. Right. Like if you if you do your homework, you can have iPad time, but they also have iPad time in the morning and uh, at lunch. And so it's not rewarding. Right. Yeah. 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 What, What we learned. So. Recently, I've been working with some a couple different clients that have had a lot of what therapists normally call resistance. Mm. So resistance is not that they're not showing up for therapy. They are showing up for therapy, but it feels a little like we're banging our head against the wall, meaning they are saying they want a thing, right? I want to get better at this or I want to feel different or whatever. Okay, so here are some steps we can take to get there. And then we never walk down the path. Right. Yeah. And then the next week they come and they're like, man, I really wish I was better at this. (laughs) Well, maybe we should walk down the path. Maybe you should do what I'm telling you. Yeah. 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 Or what you say you want. Right. Too. Right. And so it it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And I had a really interesting conversation uh, last week with somebody who was talking about their fear of change, whether they don't like where they are currently or they liked where they are currently, the changing is scary. And so I think resistance, anytime somebody has resistance, it's not necessarily that they are being difficult or whatever. I just think what I have learned is that the pain, sometimes the pain of staying the same is less than the pain of change. That's a good point. And so when change happens, finally, 
is is when that like fulcrum teeter totter or whatever you call it flips. So when the pain of staying the same becomes more than the pain of change, that is when when change happens. And so like this has been something that's really been stuck in my head and a good reframe for me so that I don't get frustrated in therapy. Mm -hmm. Do you have resistance clients? Oh my gosh. Yes, I, I do. And the worst is when they are aware that they are not making change, Mm -hmm. but they keep telling me like, why is, why is nothing changing? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to claw my eyeballs out. (laughs) So I, that is a good point, right? At, some point they will be tired of staying the same. They need to move on and make change. But if they are unwilling to do so, there's nothing that we can do. Right. Sometimes I wish I could do things for people, but yes. I go, that is not my job. Go full shrinking. Right. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be Jason Siegel and like go yes. into these people's lives and cuz that is frustrating as a therapist and watching that show it's very accurate like Yes. We are telling these people to make change. And they come and sit on our couch every week and say the same thing. And we are giving them tools to show them how their life would actively change if they did these things. And then they're not doing it. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know what else to tell you at this point. But, right, yeah. right. And this this pain of change, pain of saying the same has been really helpful for me mm-hmm. to approach therapy in a therapeutic way rather than right. in like a um, frustrated way. Right. And this goes back to a conversation we had a while ago about why people get into therapy, mm-hmm. right? And there's basically two different two different motivations. One is to help people. Mm-hmm. And if you take that to the unhealthy way, that's to save people. Right. Um, and the other is because you're just genuinely interested in how people tick. And I started as an engineering major and I love the way things work mm-hmm. and changing to how people work has been a natural thing. So I'm more on the how people tick side, mm-hmm. but I think we all get kind of caught, right? Which with this like responsibility of trying to help people improve. Right. And, and so the pain of change, pain of staying the same thing has, has been good for me to not take on the responsibility of somebody else's growth. Yeah. I think that's important for therapists to identify and realize something that I've had to work on as well, especially when I was working with kids of knowing it was not my responsibility to make change for people. Yeah. That is something that is sometimes not seen. And sometimes my clients believe that it's my responsibility to make the change for them. Right. And so always in the first session with people, I tell them, you know, your tools and what you learn come from inside of the therapy room, but what you use outside of here is where the change is made. Yes. This is this is a criticism. I always say there's 168 hours in a week. Mm-hmm. I've got you for one. You've got you for the rest. All of them, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So my job is in some ways to just be a giant mirror. Mm-hmm. Like, here's what you're saying and me reflecting it back at you in a way that like makes sense and so that you can frame mm-hmm. your thoughts and feelings in a way that is helpful rather than unhelpful. But yeah, it, it the goal is to get clients to independence, not to make them dependent. Right. We want to graduate people. Yes. We do not want them to be in here for the rest of their life. Yes. And so if sessions turn into, I just need to make it through the week until I get to my therapist so they can tell me what to do. That is not, not the right helpful. move. No. Yeah. Yeah. It is us regulating to co-regulating to self-regulating. Right. And then you're gone. Mm-hmm. And you can come back if you need to, but the goal is to get to independence, not to build dependence. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. We want you to be able to work through it on your own without us. Yes. hundred yeah. percent. Even though I enjoy talking to my clients. Yes, of course. Yes. Of course. I don't want you to go away, but I also want you to go away. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so your learnings. My learnings was more self-reflective. My last week for therapy has been kind of slow. So mine has been more, a few of the people in my life and my friends are hitting the relationship goals, right? Mm. One of my friends just got engaged. One of my friend's kids just turned one. Um, I have a few friends that are married and moving in with boyfriends and that kind of thing. And I love all these friends and I love spending time with them. I think a hard thing for me now as I'm in my mid-20s is trying to find people who I can relate with and trying to make friends who are in the same life stage as me is really feels impossible, which is also weird (laughs) Um, because I did not realize how many women at my age are in this whole atmosphere of, you know, settling down relationship wise. So all the friends that I've even made so far here are both married which I don't mind and I enjoy hanging out with their spouse and I enjoy hearing their perspective, but sometimes I just want people to relate to. Yeah. And it's hard for me to have these conversations with people. And then, you know, people who are older than me, everyone who works here met their spouse when they were even younger than I am now. So finding people to just talk to about kind of life things that I'm going through is really hard. And I feel disconnected from people in a lot of different realms. I'm the oldest of three siblings and both my younger siblings are in really serious relationships and I'm really happy for them. And I love both of their partners. Um, and my parents met when they were 20 and, you know, and I, I appreciate all these relationships around me, but I just feel isolated and I feel like no one is relating to me or understanding where I'm coming from. And sometimes I just feel really lonely. And I think that piece is really hard and it's, I mean, it's easy for me to identify that with clients when I have clients going through the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, so that has been kind of a life realization I've had in the last few weeks, but it's been a hard thing to kind of swallow and sit on. Yeah. So what are your, I guess we can tie this to New Year's, right? Mm-hmm. What, what are your goals with this? Is it more change or is it more like acceptance? I think acceptance I wish I could find women my age to relate to, or I wish I could find a relationship that all the people around me are seeming able to find. But I think the more I try to force both of those things happening, the more unhappy I become. Right. So I think it's more accepting that I am different right now than the people in my life. And who knows, maybe I'll meet a new friend or one of my friends will become single. I mean, I don't know where the future holds or, you know, so I think I just need to sit in that this is where I am right now and I need to be okay with that. Um, yeah. But that is a hard, a hard thing to sit and accept. Yeah. And it's a, it is a hard lesson to learn. It is an important one, right? Like it, I, I have, I rant about this all the time that there is like should life and then there's like actual life. Right. Right. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in the American dream nonsense. Mm-hmm. I will probably say this a bunch um, where we have these false expectations, should statements about where we should be in life. And it's interesting because you don't know what is good or bad until later, until you have your 2020 vision on. Right. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. We have no idea. 
I mean, there's plenty of people who, who, for example, got married early and are probably way unhappier than you are right now. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and the other thing too, is like, if you in five years, for example, have an awesome friend group and are in a serious relationship and, uh, professionally are doing well, if all of those things are happening when you're 30, mm-hmm. it, would it have been worth it to wait? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. The problem is, is that we can't see the end now, but that kind of makes life life. Yeah. Well, it, it relates back to the uncertainty that we talked about, right? Yes. I have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, and I just need to keep pushing myself because I know that I am really young, and I have that perspective of knowing I'm 25 and I, you know, and I don't want those things that all my friends want, right? I, I don't want to be married right now. I don't want to be engaged. I don't want to have children anytime soon. I want to continue to build in my career. I want to travel. I want to work on myself. Um, I want to build my own home and that kind of thing. So I don't want the same life goals as them. It just feels really isolating not having anyone around me with the same life goals that I have. Fair. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like you're, there's your mission for. Yes, that is my 2024 goal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what we taught. This is an ongoing struggle that I'm having with a client who, you know, to your point again, we see common themes in therapy. And yes. There's a lot of resistance in this. They are not willing to make change yet. So we have been working on this goal for the last three months. And I. I'm having to work on my patients. Yeah. We reevaluated goals. Like I do goals every 90 days with people to kind of check in. And today was their treatment plan expired. And we identified, okay, where are we with this goal and what's not working? Yeah. Their goal was to increase their internal motivation. They feel that they're unable to achieve goals without someone telling them what to do. Right. Their partner tells them what to do. They were unable to achieve goals as like in school growing up without their teacher telling them what to do or their parents or whatnot. But now that they're an adult and they have children of their own, they don't know how to increase their intrinsic motivation. And so we've been talking about it and working through it. And I just keep repeating and I feel like I'm repeating myself each time of like, how can we build our intrinsic motivation and identifying that we weren't, we did not build any of it as a kid. Like, and now we are an adult and we've thought this way for the last like 17, 18 years of their life. And so now they feel that they are unable to be motivated to change the light bulb when it burns out in the front room. And they don't know why they don't have motivation towards certain things. So we're trying to like dig motivation out and it's just not coming. And so, they, I'm teaching how to be patient with themselves, but also teaching myself to be patient yeah. with them as well. Yeah. I saw this, I don't know if it was a TikTok or a reel or whatever, but somebody was talking about the concept of faking it till you make it. Mm. And so the thing that they were talking about was if you're in a scary situation, somebody uh, is threatening you or whatever, and you fake being brave in that situation... That is actually bravery. Yeah. Right? You're not 
you in your head, you're like, I am going to pretend I'm big and strong in this moment and I'm going to act accordingly. That's actually bravery, right? You didn't run. You didn't hide, whatever. Even if you're telling yourself you're faking it, right? And so the next thing, which was actually the point of the reel, was um, faking motivation is motivation. So if you have to fake it till you make it, that is motivation. If you have to hate change the light bulb, mm-hmm. right? Or you have hate to change the light bulb then. You right? hate change the light bulb. Or if you have to fake pretending to be mo- liking changing the uh, the light bulb, mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt, uh, our a colleague always <laughs> says like the phrase when when you want to say a statement say a statement and when you want to ask a question ask a question don't ask a question if you mean a statement so the example he always uses is uh, with your spouse hey do you want to wash the dishes N- no no i don't want to wash the dishes right right like why would you want to wash dishes right. i mean maybe people like washing dishes i don't i've not met anybody who I'm likes not one of those people right so you don't have to like a thing to, to, do to, a thing. to do it and to be to feel motivated. Right. Right. If you're begrudgingly doing a thing, that is motivation. Yeah, it's a great point. And so I think with this client, the fake it till you make it thing is mm-hmm. actually right on. Mm-hmm. Let's fake it. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be motivated to use your legs right. and your hands. Right. You have right. full control over what you do with your hands. Right. And so you can turn a light bulb. Right. Like there's a big difference between I can't and it's hard for me, mm-hmm. right? Like I can't go to the moon right now, mm-hmm. right? I can give a public presentation. I can do a podcast even <laughs> though I feel like I can't, right? You can. I can, yes. right? Even though it's hard for me. Mm-hmm. So you can change a light bulb. I love that this is the example. You, you can change a light bulb, mm-hmm. right? It might be really hard for you. You might not want to want to change the light bulb. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to want to change a light bulb to change a light bulb. Right. Yeah. And how long and this is the this is the thing we keep talking about of how much energy is it taking for you to continue to think about changing the light bulb than just getting up and changing the light bulb? Yes. Right. What it takes you a total of maybe ten minutes. Yeah. If you have to go to the store and get the light bulb, let's say let's add forty, forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. You've been thinking about this for weeks. Yes. The light bulb, every time you try to turn on the light, it's it's burnt out. Right. Like it's taking so much more mental energy to not do it than to just yes. do it. I was literally just having this conversation in therapy this morning. If you take all the emotion out of it, mm-hmm. it makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you have to do a thing, whatever it is, if you have to do a thing and you are uncomfortable doing it or scared to do it or whatever, so you avoid it. You avoid it, you don't want to do it, it's scary. Avoiding it is not eliminating the discomfort. It is prolonging it. Yep. It makes zero sense. I have to make a phone call to somebody that I know is going to be a tough conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So I put it off and put it off for three weeks. So I could have the 10-minute phone call. I could have 10 minutes of discomfort, and I'm choosing, no, 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 I don't want 10 minutes of discomfort. I want four weeks of discomfort. <laughs> Right. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. We do it all the time. Yes. Yes. And so looking at, this is what therapy is, reframing stuff or whatever, but Mm -hmm. looking at it objectively, Mm -hmm. right? This is why diffusing, like seeing yourself as you're not your thoughts, Mm -hmm. looking at it from the outside and looking in, it looks ridiculous. Change the light bulb. How long does it take to change a light bulb? Not very long. Three minutes? 
maybe if the light bulb is in like the garage and you have to find it and then come back. But no, we don't want three second, three minutes of discomfort. We want four weeks of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Humans are weird. We are strange. We are strange beings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it is. It is a good lesson to learn. And I think ultimately, so I have dealt with a lot of anxiety in my life. I'm much better now than I used to be. But mm-hmm. I think the thing that flipped it was that I realized that the only way to actually rid yourself of anxiety is to do the thing and get over it. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go around it. And so now in the last, I don't know, 10 years, it has become a challenge to me. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, this thing made me anxious. Like I'm going to beat this thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to run head first into it because that is the quickest way to rid myself mm-hmm. of it. Exposure therapy, right? Like if we expose ourselves yes. to the things that makes us anxious, yes. we realize it's really not that scary. Yes. I always joke that the best feeling in the world is the feeling of walking out of the gym. Mm -hmm. I don't particularly like thinking about going to the gym. I don't particularly like being at the gym, Mm -hmm. but I love the feeling of walking out of the gym. But in order to achieve that feeling, I have to to go go. (laughs) have to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the focus should not be on changing the light bulb. Mm -hmm. Maybe the focus should be on the feeling of I changed a light bulb. That is that is that is a good. It's a good perspective. And I, I enjoy doing this and I enjoy talking about where I'm at and what I'm teaching because I have felt frustrated and felt that they're frustrated with the lack of progress. So I think this perspective will help quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So what I taught, I don't even remember what I wrote on there. You wrote goals are like crack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what I taught, I feel like this is appropriate for New Year's. Mm-hmm. Goals versus values. So I, as a therapist for the last couple of years, I've been off goals. I think goals are like crack. So if you think about achieving goals, Mm -hmm. so you got an A on the test you studied for, you graduated high school, you got married, you got the job you wanted, whatever. When did you graduate high school? 2016. Okay. Are, Are you... You were pretty happy on that day, I would imagine. Yep. Yeah. Are you as happy now about graduating high school as when you graduated high school? No. All right. And then, so later on, you graduated college, yes. right? Twice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So were, are you as happy today that you have a master's degree than you were on the day you received your master's degree? No. Right. So I don't know how much you know about crack, um, I don't have personal experience with crack. I don't have personal experience either. <laughs> I do have a lot of professional experience right. with people who use have used crack. Crack is a very intense short-term high. Mm-hmm. Very short-term. This is why crackheads are always smoking crack. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's offensive or not. I can say crackhead, I think. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so this is why people who use crack always have to be smoking crack to maintain the high, right? right. And so this is like goals. Goals give you a short-term high, and then afterwards, it goes away, right? And we have learned as kids to be goal-oriented, right? Mm-hmm. And goals are easy to come by when you're a kid. Yeah. You, there are there are tests set up that you get a good grade. You, boom, hit, hit of goal high, right? All of these things. And then when you become an adult, goals are harder to come by. They are. 
It takes I mean, years and years, right? Yes. Yeah. Or they are uh, speaking uh, with of your client. They have to be intrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. Goals are not like other people are not providing goals for you. Right. Right. And so if your happiness, whatever that means, is dependent on goal achievement, mm-hmm. there is no way to sustain happiness. Mm-hmm. And so I think more importantly, it is important to understand, identify, develop your values and just make day-to-day decisions based on your values. And if you do that, you will get to whatever goals you're, you're thinking of, mm-hmm. but that is more sustainable. Just having a value-based life, way more sustainable than delaying your happiness until you achieve some now arbitrary kind of goal. Mm-hmm. And the example of this that I show in therapy is by a guy, Kyle, and uh, he was uh, graduating high school. He was the valedictorian in his high school. I stand before you tonight as the 2019 valedictorian. This time last year, I found out that I was in the running for this title. It was then that I decided I wanted it. So I worked hard for it. I sacrificed for it, and yes, I stressed for it. And I got it. And at our senior award ceremony, it felt so good when I heard my name announced with this title. It was so good for about 15 seconds. Yeah, 15 seconds of my heart racing and my adrenaline pumping. 15 seconds of, yeah, I won! 15 seconds of being at the top of the pile of all my accomplishments, and it felt euphoric. But there must come a 16th second. And on that 16th second, sat down in my seat, I looked at my silver stole that says valedictorian, and I thought, that's it? (laughs) What just happened? Why, why am I not feeling anything else? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't even know what I was expecting. A parade of balloons to drop? Or, or maybe I was hoping that all of my problems would fade away in comparison to this amazing achievement. But none of that happened. Not even in my heart. I felt nothing. I was shocked. This was a huge problem for me. And I needed to figure out why. And this is the foundation of his speech. And so he basically says the same thing, which is really insightful for a high school kid (laughs) to say that make sure that you are focusing on the things that are important to you and not sacrificing your values in an attempt to achieve, achieve your goals. Yes. So, uh, this is, this is the lesson and it's probably a good time to talk about this as we're talking about resolutions and all of those things Mm -hmm. that if you're going to establish goals, I think that's great. I think goals are okay, but just understand that goals are not sustained happiness. When you reach the top of the mountain, Mm -hmm. there's only one way to go and that is down. Yeah. And so you can't stay there forever. If you, if you, we all know the people who, well, you're might be too young for this, but the people who were really popular in high school and then when they're like 35 or 40, they're still I'm not I'm not too young for this. 
<laughs> they're still talking about high school. Right. Right. And, and that is the, you, the phrase you've peaked in high school or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. that, like that is what happens when you're only focused on goals. I want to be the captain of the football team and I want to graduate and go to college. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did that. Now I'm 22 and I've now achieved. What? Yeah. Now what? Yes. Rather than this idea of like lifelong learning and just following your values mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of see where they lead you. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that is going back to the certainty, uncertainty thing is it makes uncertainty way more sustainable, way more palatable. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm living just based on my values, I know ultimately I'll get to where I want to go. And my emphasis is on what is in my control rather than what is not in my control, right? Because the other thing about goals, achieving goals, most of the time that's not in your control. Mm-hmm. I want to be married by the time I'm 28. Okay, great. Well, you can be, right? You can, yeah, right. So achieving goals, if, if all that matters is goals, you can sacrifice all of your values and boundaries in an attempt to achieve a goal, right? right. This is like... You might be too young for this, but Enron, do you remember Enron? You don't. No. Okay. So Enron was this big, I don't know, company and they had all of Bernie Madoff. Does that name ring a bell? I'm going to disappoint you again. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, So there was this big, basically Ponzi scheme. He did all this illegal stuff to, to get money basically. Right. And his goal was to build a company to a certain level and it didn't even matter how you got there. And so goals can put you in bad spots too. Yeah. I want to have a master's degree. That's my goal. Don't care about anything else. Well, I'm going to cheat on tests. I'm going to steal stuff from other people. Mm -hmm. I am going to try to bribe uh, bribe my professor. I'm going to do all this shady stuff, but I got my goal. Yeah, but you lost all your values along the way. Yes. Yes. So goals are dangerous in that way too. Um, And there's a lot of regret that can come from goals Mm -hmm. as uh, Kyle talks about in his piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so in short, goals are like crack, short-term highs, not sustainable for levels of happiness mm-hmm. and content, contentness. I don't even know if that's a word. Yeah. So values over goals any day of the week. Well, and I, I think this relates to a lot of kind of what I was talking about earlier. And I've had a lot of these clients like right out of college or, you know, mid twenties, my age, you know, we goals also like from grade to grade, we reach like, okay, we pass seventh grade, we get into eighth grade, we pass eighth grade, we get into high school, we graduated high school, we go to college, we go to college, maybe grad school. But then I see a lot of people in their mid 20s, like now what? Yeah. And then goals then turn towards relationships, right? Like, now I'm getting a stable relationship. Now I'm getting engaged. Now I'm getting married. Now I'm having kids. But my my fear and why I'm okay with not obtaining those goals right now is they turn around then in their 40s and they're like, then what? Right. Right. And I always say this with clients. It's like we're racing towards some finish line. Yes. And in all honesty, the finish line is death, right? Yeah, like yes. the end. Should be. It is. Well, yeah. yes, it should be. But it feels like this race and it's like, where are we going? Like if we are just racing towards this next goal and this next thing and this next high, right, and feeling like, okay, we're accomplishing stuff all the time, which we can't be. It's not physically possible to do that. Right? Yeah. Then are we just missing all of life? We're just like our head buried in the sand. We're doing these goals and we're missing like these days around us and like these small things that we are no longer like 
enjoying life. Yeah. Like we're constantly chasing this high and we're not enjoying the process of it really. Right. Yes. You're, you just sent my head in like eight different directions first and probably most important. Miley Cyrus had this, right? <laughs> it is the climb, yeah. right? There's it, always going to be another mountain. Yes. You're always going to want to make it move. Mm -hmm. I could go on. This is the, the, uh, jukebox in my, in my head <laughs> always. The other piece of this is the phrase, the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. Happiness is a, is a really, really elusive thing. Mostly feeling state, right? Right. Yeah. Mostly because it's undefinable. Mm -hmm. um, there's a book called The Happiness Trap. There's my uh, homework for everyone listening. Read The Happiness Trap for this. But the phrase, the pursuit of happiness, right? Mm -hmm. I, if I had to define happiness, it's pretty close. Mm -hmm. I think the pursuit is happiness. And so I feel like most people are at their happiest when they are working actively towards the things that are meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. It's not in the achievement of getting the thing. It is in the work that you put in to right. pursue the thing. Right. That's where happiness is. And so if you are waiting to ach for achievement to be happy, then you are never going to reach that state. Yes. Yeah. In short, if you are always worried about tomorrow, today is always useless. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that you are living in today, mm -hmm. right? So if you're focused on this thing from a year from now, and it's like a Wednesday in February, mm -hmm. there is no meaning in the Wednesday in February. Mm -hmm. No meaning whatsoever. You're just sitting there waiting for your goal to happen in 2025 mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Yeah. Whereas if you are focused on your values, whatever they are, mm -hmm. you can achieve those, achieve those. You can follow those. You can uh, f like enact them every day and 2025 will get there. Yeah. I, you know, and to kind of wrap it back to the first with goal setting, yeah. right? Um, Florence Pugh, you know who that is? Yes. Okay. That makes me feel seen. She was in this, <laughs> she was in this interview and she was talking about her birthdays like January 3rd. Mm -hmm. She was like, it's the worst birthday because everyone decides right when January hits to be miserable all of January. <laughs> no one's allowed to drink or have cake or go to a party or have fun and live life and experience January. We do this every January yes. where we decide to be miserable. Yes. And I think that is maybe a goal of mine for January is like actually just enjoying it and not using it to like completely change myself and reach like a new goal. But yeah. 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 It's interesting uh, just to tie up the resolution conversation. I don't think you need resolutions if you are actively engaged in following your values. Mm. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. This is the, the, the old, uh, I don't have to get ready if I stay ready. <laughs> thing. Right. I don't know, was that a saying in your sports life? That was a saying in my sports life back in the day. No. Yeah. I don't have to get ready. I stay ready. Okay. Right. That is, that is basically what following values is. If you are always following your values, you don't really have to set goals. Mm -hmm. The things that are important to you, mm -hmm. you will get there because you are following your values. Good point. I like it. Well, it's a good place to wrap, I think. It is a good place to wrap. Um, today was a very tired day, but I'm glad to kind of be back in, you know, back in the routine of yes. life again. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cool. See you next week. Thanks.